Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati. Your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. Jordan Bonomo. Welcome to this recording of a podcast for the National Stroke Education Center. I'm Jordan Bonomo, an emergency physician, neurointensivist, and stroke doctor at the University of Cincinnati. And I'm here with my colleague, friend, and stroke expert, Dr. Stacy Demmel. She's one of these special doctors who's not just a doctor, but has a PhD behind her name too. So we're gonna to get to talk some science. We're gonna learn a lot about difficult strokes, and we're gonna hear some of her tricks and tips from the front line as a stroke physician on one of the busiest stroke teams in America. Dr. Demmel, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you here. So these have been fun podcasts to record, and I'm really pumped that you uh, are sharing your time with us this afternoon. So let me start by asking you, tips and tricks from the front line for those difficult strokes to identify, the ones that keep us up at night. As a stroke doc, what's the stroke you're still afraid of that you think you're going to miss? The stroke that keeps me up at night far and away is posterior circulation stroke. They are difficult to identify. They don't present with your typical face, arm, speech type of syndrome, and they uh, can be deadly. So that's definitely the one that keeps me up at night. So yeah, those aren't softball presentations, right? They're not easy to knock out of the park. Sometimes they look like other things. And the posterior circulation we've talked about being the Bermuda Triangle of neurolocalization. It's tough, right? Is there something in the posterior circulation that scares you the most? So posterior circulation strokes as a bucket, but what about a specific kind? Anything that you've seen that you wish you hadn't? Well, there's definitely things I've seen I wish I hadn't. Um, I think uh, the hardest ones for me, I can think of several examples of young patients where they come into the ER presenting with relatively mild symptoms, just difficulty walking, just dizziness, difficulty with coordination, and can often be um, attributed to other things, migraines, vertigo, um, and can even be sent home. And then they come back brought in by EMS, comatose. Those, those are the ones that are definitely the most difficult. So if, if you're educating people on how not to miss those, what are some of the tricks and tips that you have in your bag um, that allows you to not miss these things? I think the most simple, basic thing that I think about is if I hear about a dizzy patient with anything else, vertigo doesn't cause any sort of slurred speech, facial droop, alteration of awareness, sleepiness, confusion. If I hear any of those things, it's a stroke to me and until proven otherwise. So we've heard this described once in the past by someone as, as dizzy plus. So they're dizzy plus something else, some hard sign that bothers you. Okay. As a stroke neurologist, do you insist that we walk our patients on evaluation? Is that of benefit? I actually do. Tell us Dr. why. Dr. Bonomo. <laughs> Tell us why. Uh, a couple of reasons. One thing is that the evaluation that we use to communicate is the NIH stroke scale. And the NIH stroke scale is notoriously not good at picking up posterior circulation strokes. It doesn't involve walking. It doesn't involve disconjugate gaze. It doesn't assess dysphagia. All of those things can be signs of posterior circulation strokes. So one thing that I like to do is after I go through the NIH stroke scale, either by listening to what the ER doctor has to tell me or seeing the patient on telemedicine, Two things I'll ask them to do is a bedside swallow evaluation and walk the patient. And if they can pass those two tests, I'm uh, much less concerned. When you have them do a bedside swallow, do you actually have them swallow something or just see if they can swallow their own saliva? I actually ask them to swallow a little bit of water and the nurse helps me with that. Have you found dysphagia in those patients? I have. All right. And then just really quickly, when you find that dysphagia, how do you assess how severe it is? 
I don't. Um, all I know is that if there is some dysphagia, that that's enough to warrant an inpatient admission, a stroke workup, an MRI, and and a speech, a formal speech evaluation. And then maybe in consideration of treatment in real time, if the dysphagia is bad enough. If it right. So with regards to treatment, what I look for then is anything disabling. So yeah, if they are unable to swallow, choke, choking on liquids, if they're unable to walk, and I have enough suspicion that this is a acute onset, um, I don't have a better explanation than yes, I would treat them with thrombolytics. I've heard that the thalamus can be kind of challenging with strokes, right? Lots of syndromes can occur with thalamic injury only. Can you describe a couple of those and how maybe to identify one? Sure, right. So uh, to me, the thalamic stroke is one that's one of the most difficult stroke presentations because it's so variable. That's the problem, right? So the thalamus, often we think of it as being a relay center for the brain. It has a lot of sensory nuclei, sensory um, jobs that it does, but it does other things too. So it's involved in speech, it's involved in motor, it's involved in coordination, and it's involved in mood and memory. So all of those things. So people can present with just um, acting confused. And while there's a million things that can cause someone to be confused, if I don't, again, have a better explanation, I know that that could be something that's related to the thalamus. Okay. So thalamic strokes can be difficult and strokes that have a neglect as part of them can be difficult too. I feel like we underestimate neglect often. And sometimes when that's the only symptom, we don't recognize it. What's your trick to make sure you never miss neglect? First, there has to be enough suspicion to call a stroke doctor. So if the patient comes in through EMS, an EMS doesn't look for neglect and comes to the ER and the ER physician doesn't look for neglect, the nurse doesn't look for neglect, then it's going to be missed. I think that really the suspicion, you know, the threshold has to be low to look for it. If you are suspecting stroke at all, if the patient is altered at all, the thing you have to look for um, in looking for neglect, if I can explain the exam, uh, you'd want to um, see if they can feel on the right side of the body, see if they can feel on the left side of the body, and then check both sides at the same time and see if they extinguish. That is a subtle form of neglect, but you could have a moderate to large size stroke, and that could be the only symptom, especially on the right side of the brain. If I just heard you say that you actually have to touch the patient on both sides and then do double simultaneous testing, you can't just yell at them from the left side to test neglect or from the right side? That doesn't work by itself? It doesn't work by itself. It could, but you could also miss neglect. But you could miss it. You could miss it. So saying... Hi, Mrs. Smith, can you see me over here? And then walking to the other side, can you see me over here? That's not an adequate exam for neglect? Correct, Dr. Bonomo. I feel like I might have been doing this wrong. <laughs> so glad you cleared that up for me. Well, you're a professional stroke educator. You uh, run a fellowship. You teach fellows how to do this stuff. If you were going to share with our audience maybe one thing that you wish everybody learning stroke who wasn't a stroke neurologist might know, you got one? You got a golden rule? Uh, For acute stroke diagnosis, I would just say that a thorough neurological exam is needed not to rely on one test. Again, check the subtleties, check eye movements and vision, check swallowing and walk your patients. All right. That sounds like pretty sage-like advice. Dr. Demmel, thank you so much for spending your time with us this afternoon. I learned quite a bit as I always do when I talk to you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this recording from the National Stroke Education Center. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, M. Craig International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.